Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a miracle made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made, come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fake the Nation, episode 351. Hello, hello. This is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we hear the gentle hum of helicopters from our Manhattan apartment because, yes, the ex-shitty POTUS is in town. I'm your host, Aguin Farsad. Spoiler alert, I never liked Trump. I never really liked the guy. Um, you heard it here first, you know? Today, uh, we'll talk about that little indictment. We'll also talk about regulations on social media for kids, coursing through state legislatures. And we'll also talk about gramsplaining and ask the question, does Gen Z not want to drive? Um, it's also a momentous weekend here uh, because it's Easter, it's Ramadan, it's Passover, it's what up world religions, and so it's just a fun time, and I and so for this really extremely festive, um, multi-religious uh, time, I've uh, collected, and by I, I mean Andrew, our wonderful producer, has uh, brought together just um, the uh, hide the matzo and the um, fast of the Ramadan, the delightful parts of it, most panel that you could ever gather. It is, first off, we have the extraordinary comedian. I've known him forever. He's so funny. I've had the pleasure of seeing him perform live many, many times. And if you're ever able to do it, you you should do it. But what you, you should do first, just as a an amuse-bouche, 
to seeing him perform live is get his new album. It's called Live in Between Albums. He'll also be at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival um, in, in August. It's just, you can see him perform all the time. He's so, so great. Is the wonderful Mike Kaplan. Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. As always, what a, a delightful human you are. I love the phrase amuse-bouche in general, but also <laughs> the fact that uh, amuse is what we do and bouche means mouth. So we do have amusing mouths uh, <laughs> to go into the other people's. Uh, li- listen up with your mouths. You know, they always say that you have two ears, that you're supposed to listen more than you talk. But I want to direct this directly into people's mouths. So put yeah, your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eat, eat your AirPods <laughs> and I don't eat Tide Pods. Do eat AirPods. And I just want to say one one final thing and then yes. uh, good night, everybody. But I... I love that I'm I am Jewish. It is Passover tonight and it's very rare that in comedy in show business you as a Jewish person get to be a diversity hire. So I'm happy to be here. <laughs> joined also oh so delightful um this next person is a tiktoker a podcaster you can just watch their incredible works at, at under the desk news on tiktok and on instagram and um check out the their podcast the interesting podcast i have uh been on this podcast yes i have you were a guest. Uh, we have uh Cross uh, ventilated our podcast. That's such a term. <laughs> We've cross ventilated our podcast. That's an audio term. And um, on uh, on the Fake the Nation uh, feed because I love it so much, um, and because I just think that they're so fucking phenomenal. And always gosh darn dapper just so gosh darn dapper and i don't know what world religion if any they're representing but they're here for the the tri-religion um, I, um uh smorgasbord that we're doing here today it's the wonderful v spear hey v thank you thanks for having me again always a pleasure to hang out with you you are the number one hype woman in all of podcasting my confidence <laughs> will be through the roof for the rest of the day and i will be representing the creaster catholics which means that my mom has called me to say it's Easter. Did you get your palms? And I have once again disappointed her by saying, no, the church doesn't really like allow me to get the, pa- the religion right, anymore. Right, yeah, we're, right. not, we're not. The Catholics have kind of uh, not allowed is it, that. Is, I've, it, I've is been it the disavowed. kind of conversation? Is it the kind of thing you have to remind your mom every time? She, I'm like, Ma, when's the last time you were at church? And she's like, I can speak to God from anywhere. And I'm like, so can I. And I don't yeah, need yeah, the little yeah, yeah. dried prawns, whatever. So, so is is dried prawns day today? It, it is. Well, okay. it's Good we're Friday. To, we're, we're, yes. Oh, it's Friday. It's Friday. Got you. So, so there's this- Palm Sunday, Good Friday. You can get those those dried palms anytime. Anytime. Um, but the specific dry palms day is was Palm Sunday. So that was this past just Sunday. Passed. Got yeah. you. Got you. Okay. Yes. And um, then I like we to have just keep zombie, track. Yeah. Zombie <laughs> Jesus day. So he will he will rest. He will rise. And I only recently found out he rises and like walks around for 40 more days. I don't know why they left that out of the musical, but that's how I learned about Jesus, really. And. And, and that, that was really that was the inspiration for Last of Us, and that's it was. what was people that people don't know. Yes. Um, okay. Well, you know what, folks? Before we super get into it, I just want to remind listeners that they can go to Patreon.com/slash/NagineFarsad to support the show. If you're just like, I don't, I just want to support the show, but I don't want anything out of it, and 
I don't want to spend very much money. <laughs> you can do that for what, like as little as one dollar a month. Just support the show. Um, and 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 hey, it's uh it's all the religions time. So why you know do do your religion a solid and do something that has nothing to do with your religion and support Fake the Nation. Yeah, you got to pay your tithes to Nikeen. <laughs> pay pay your tithes to Fake the Nation. And then um, also uh, if you want to get free bonus episodes of the show for as little as a four dollar subscription a month you get two bonus episodes um a month it's fantastic it's fun it's where the wild stuff happens on fake the nation Ooh. um some and, and i don't mean x i mean it's like it's like x-rated meets spongebob what does that mean who knows you have to subscribe <laughs> i'm so, not okay. above it yeah <laughs> so go to patreon.com slash for all of that fun and now let us get into it with topic number one Former president slash orange slug with a truth social account is in town because he was indicted with 34 felony charges by the Manhattan DA. He was fingerprinted, um, but he wasn't handcuffed. It's uh, it's hard to do that when you're a slug because you only have the one body part. So then the, the cuff just falls right out. Um, but uh, and he didn't get a mugshot. So we didn't get any of that fun stuff. Uh, but he was in court. He said like five words, which I believe were not guilty. And like, yes, yes and yes or something. Um now, I guess, like, what are your just general reactions to dude being uh, indicted? Well, uh, as a not expert, as someone uh, speculating, just like everyone else, yes. uh, I've seen some of the articles that are like, is this political? Is it too political? Is I mean, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's he's a politician and also the DA is a politician, like, which is weird. It's weird that that's an elected position. Uh, I mean, it's, I guess it's, I don't really understand how anything works. I'm like, but I'm like, shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't some things be people get the job because they've demonstrated that they're good at the right, job? Right, at that job, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And not at, like, you know, there's people who are good at running for office, and that's not a skill that necessarily lines up with being in office, but I isn't, I guess in every way, I mean, isn't everything political? Like, isn't everything, like if somebody's like, I don't really like politics, be like, well, do you like roads and food and, you know, living? And yeah, I don't know about any of that stuff. But so I feel like every decision that a DA makes, like whether to charge someone for, a, yeah. like people are committing crimes all the time and people aren't getting charged for crimes all the time. And uh, so the what was the question? You know what, Mike? What there's something a little note I have here because for whatever reason I sent you both a link to a foxnews.com article on this yeah. because I wanted to be uh, fucking f- fair sides. and idiot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, and it was actually like a super nothing burger of a piece, but um, and it just one of the things that it pointed out is that a, ma- a majority of the Americans support the indictment. Uh, but also that a new poll revealed that they also believe that politics played a role in the investigation, which, Mike, as you pointed out, means kind of nothing. Right. Because politics is everywhere and everything. So 
Whatever. Okay, V, you say something. So what I think is what – I, what I love about that piece is it says like 79 percent of the, the public uh, supports an indictment, right? But they hadn't released what the charges were. So that to me says that people just want to see him held accountable for yes, something. Yes, for something, anything. They didn't care yeah. what it was. It could yeah. be he stole a peanut butter jelly sandwich. They don't care. They wanted to see him indicted. They wanted to see some sort of like – a repercussion or some sort of accountability, and they didn't care what it was because the the charges hadn't been released when they did that poll. The other thing that I thought was most funny, because it was funny to me, the indictment and the the arraignment was one that nobody held the door for him when he was walking into <laughs> the courtroom, and it just sort of like almost hit him in the face, and he kind of like used his shoulder to push it. So strange. And two, so I had I had folks out there who were trying to like get pictures and talk about who was there and they were expecting this big protest. And that crowd was 65% media. Nobody was hornier for the arraignment than the legacy media who were just like foaming at the mouth and like acting like it was prom night over Trump being in town and like wanting to talk about it and get so excited about it. And so I thought that that was maybe one of the most comical parts was just how many cameras and microphones were out there as as compared to how few protesters were out there. Yes, they're everyone. So everyone was so worried. Were you worried about this, Mike? And you're not in town at the very moment but um everyone was so worried about like unrest 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 or whatever but i it feels whatever to me i mean right like nothing much happened mm-hmm. yeah i i do my best not to worry my policy is freak out later because like if i ever need to freak nice. out later i can always freak out later yeah yeah uh, you can that's true. if i can prevent myself from freaking out now because often the thing that i'm worried about isn't the thing that ends up happening like you know five years ago i wasn't worried about a pandemic and then maybe i should have been but <laughs> Uh, I also, in that article, I really liked, uh, I think it was the Fox News one that said it was a whopping 70-something percent. And I'm like, this is good journalism, you know, uh, to use the word whopping. And I really love that point, <laughs> V, that that the essentially, I mean, polls are not meaningless, but the thing that they mean is not the thing that they purport to mean because I love that you pointed out that they the information that the poll is asking about wasn't available. They're basically like (laughs) asking for predictions like a psychic or you know a tarot reader be like do you think that when you find out what is happening that you'll like it or you don't like I'm the kind of person who doesn't like this kind of thing I think is what I'm saying. No I I think I I think I'm gonna and who are the 24% of people that are like there's absolutely Absolutely no politics involved here. This is objective. There is there is crime. There is punishment. That is, we are robots. It is AI. Uh, we are a fake nation. Look at I, that. I want to go with it. People who. <laughs> Folks who they asked that did not want to answer that question. I always wonder who is getting pulled. Like, one, did you answer your phone? Was it a text poll? Was it an email? What what form of communication came to you as a person and you said, yes, I'm going to participate? And I feel like 24% of people were maybe like, yeah, no, I'm not for it. Because it's easier to say no than yes. And you oftentimes yeah. say no when you have no idea what's going on. And and Or maybe it's just some, uh, you know super law and order people who are like, no, everything in this country is perfect and fair. And Which, can I you know, say also that... I have a little pitch for pollsters. So much of this isn't working because nobody answers phones or whatever. Everyone deletes their tab. I mean, none of this is working, right? The poll polling wise. Have they tried fortune cookies? (laughs) Because everyone wants to open a fortune cookie. You know what I mean? And then if you're standing right there ready to get an answer, 
That's how you do a poll. I, or, or like I, Billy Eichner style, we'll just all be man on the street screaming yes. at people for a dollar. Yes. What do you think about the indictment for a dollar? Yes. Quick. <laughs> I, I also have an idea. What about instead of CAPTCHA, you know, instead of like oh. identify these traffic lights, be like, oh, you know, who do you think should win the election Kaplan. before you can check into your email or whatever? First of all, I'm writing so hard on that idea. It's we're just going to call it a collective fake the nation idea that the three of us had uh, because I think we we could be millionaires if any of us know how to program that, which I'm going to guess we do not. <laughs> no, no, uh, I, I absolutely don't. And but here's what I think we should put out to your listeners. We're going to we're going to do a poll right now to say, like, what do you think the best way to poll people will be in the future? Please answer us because we don't we need we need answers. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, now, here's my 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 last question on this um, indictment, which is that. Well, first of all, I mean, there a couple of things we I also sent around I don't know if I sent this to you guys a piece from uh, Fareed Zakaria who was annoyed that that this indictment is going to overshadow more important indictments that like we're going to expend our political capital on this indictment I mean that's the only thing wrong yes he did crime he always did crime he does crime he will do crime he's crime um but this isn't the crime that you do the justice part on because there's bigger crime mm-hmm. so V, are you annoyed by the indictment? It's 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 not the indictment you wanted, but it's the <laughs> indictment you're getting. Are you, know, you annoyed? Who am I to look an indictment in the mouth? I don't know. Whatever, whatever that is. You a know? gift indictment. A gift in the indictment mouth. in the mouth. Um, I, I'm honestly, I'm disappointed mostly in the way that the coverage of it has dominated so much of our time, and in that coverage, where I will say, I think Trump is winning this indictment, if you will, is that everywhere he went, he had like text Trump to this number to fundraise. And the man fundraised like $8 million because CNN and folks couldn't keep their cameras off of him for all of those hours as like Tennessee and Florida and Texas are burning. And I think sometimes we have to be cautious with who we platform when we platform them. I think it would have sent a much stronger message to not have so much media coverage of it, to like maybe have it in the newspapers, have it as a story, but not have this dedicated 24-hour, three hours of the plane sitting on the tarmac. Yeah. Like just we've we've made him so important and we should have learned that lesson from 2016. We are making him so important, so the center of the, of the country. And it's just not truly accurate to where the country is at. So I wish that we would um, move on in many ways and just let I, I, time I take I love that course. point. And I also want to point out, too, that we we I've heard so, 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 so many times that this is the form, the first ex-president who's been indicted. And for, why? Why? I mean, it's not special because Mm-mm. it I get it just so happens that 45 other presidents like either didn't do a crime or got away with it. They're not special people. Right. They are just as likely to do a crime as anyone else um, in countries like France and South Korea um, and in uh, South Africa. ex-presidents have been indicted it's actually like not i don't think it should be it should hold the sort of like weight that we're giving it and and i think you're absolutely right about um on that coverage i mean i feel i feel like (laughs) abraham lincoln was definitely playing hush payments to some mistresses or misters out there right what do do you think he was holding under that hat it was just a bunch of dollar bills (laughs) exactly (laughs) that's what i'm saying yeah it's just not that special it's and and i think it just continues to like feed the wrong narrative. 
it was five five dollar bills under his hat with his own picture on them <laughs> that he'd been delivered by Bill and Ted, who came back and was like, "Look, you're on the money now." Yep. And uh, yeah, I was gonna. Here's a couple things. Number one, I love. Uh, like, here's. I think that this indictment is like you know the way that uh, Al, what was it? Uh, Al Capone was gotten for you know tax fraud or evasion or something, not for right. all of the, you know, major horrendous things. They're like, maybe we can get him on this actual small technical thing and it'll be like rewarding him for, you know, the way that uh, Scorsese didn't win best director for or best picture for like the movies that he deserved it for. But they're like, The Departed was good. So he de- he deserves an Oscar. So like right. he deserves an indictment. We should definitely so, right, give him an indictment. His- Oscar? This is Trump's Oscar. This is his departed. Yes. We hopefully it will make him depart. And I love V that you said like it could have been, you know, he's indicted for uh stealing a peanut butter sandwich yeah. or something. But and I like that the classic thing that they say about grand juries is that they'll indict a ham sandwich. So this mm-hmm. guy is a ham sandwich, essentially stealing a different kind of sandwich. And <laughs> I agree, V, 100% that the media Mm -hmm. should stop covering him as widely as possible, and let's keep this segment going the whole show. Yeah, stop serving Um, us a shit sandwich, media. We we are all out of sandwiches. We're different. Okay, you know what? I'm going to end this segment, actually, on completely wildly different news, which I didn't even warn either of you about, but I do have to say... That Wisconsin, I just want to get your immediate reactions because we're only doing optimism here on Fake the Nation as we've been doing from t- yes. since 2020. Mm-hmm. That Wisconsin flipped their Supreme Court with the election of Janet Protosewicz yesterday, which means they will likely overturn the abortion ban and they will likely end the use of gerrymandered maps. It is awesome. It is. So all, for all of the negativity around what we just talked about um, and for what, what he did to us for so many years... Uh, we're always only just one or two elections away from awesome stuff also happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you, I mean, I, I don't know if you, you, you clearly heard about this V, uh, yeah. Mike, were you happy to hear about this news? Yeah, I I have a friend who lives in Wisconsin who texted me this morning, and it's a, a friend who is particularly, you know, not always the most optimistic, but it was, you know, a clear, decisive victory. You know, what a, what a weird thing, you know, to flip like one, one, one thing, like, you know, sometimes in elections, like one vote does a thing, and then one person on a court does a thing. And then, you know, it's, uh, it's nice. It's, it's harder to it's easier to destroy things than to create them. Like creating takes time and effort and bit by bit and destruction can happen in a second. So it's nice to know, and it's always happening. So it's always nice to see when there is, you know, beautiful, positive, like, you know, people that are building things that take a while and that, you know, we're constantly, you know, creating sandcastles in, in the, the fate of like a a tsunami about to come wash them away. But it's nice. We're like, look, this is a beautiful castle for right now <laughs> that's really nice mike that like really touched my soul oh, that was thank a very you. sweet way to say it i, I also it. was super excited about it just for the fact that like i love voting i love people <laughs> who too. vote i yes. just freaking love to vote and i love that this random election in the middle of the spring when there's nothing surrounding it so many people came out to vote. It was it was a huge vote. She won by a landslide, um, and I think I think it's exciting for folks to 
be able to get a little breathing room. Like that's what I saw in a lot of my comments is they're like, I felt like I could relax. I felt safe. I felt like, you know what, we're going to be on a better track to a more progressive Wisconsin. We're going to shake this kind of like Midwest red off of us a little bit. And people are going to see us as a place that is worth moving to, worth investing in, that the people who come from here and come to here are folks who care about other folks. The abortion thing was huge. I mean, the Republicans have severely underestimated just how much people love and need abortion because it has been the driving force for voting. And I, I just I think it's fantastic. It's it's wonderful that people got that breathing room. Yeah, let's all move there. Yes. <laughs> let's all move to Wisconsin. She's great right. for everyone. <laughs> um, uh, folks, let's take a quick break so we can hear about our sponsors. And when we come back, we shall continue our chatter. I am the type of person that has subscribed to things and I have forgotten about those things. I have paid twice for a children's educational app. And I didn't know that I was paying twice for several months. Until that is, I discovered Rocket Money. And because I use Rocket Money, it just showed up all these things. The thing that I was paying twice for that made me incredibly angry. Thank God Rocket Money ended that for me. It also cancels the subscription for you. So you don't have to like go through the hassle of going to that site and figuring out how to cancel. They actually make canceling very difficult. I don't know if any of you have had the experience, but I have been on a like a roundabout eight exit nightmare trying to unsubscribe to something before. Rocket money eliminates that hassle. It also alerts you to an increase in subscription price. And this is something Rocket Money did for me. It negotiates a lower price for something you already subscribe to. So like for my cable bill, it got me a lower price. And I was very happy about that. Nearly 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about, which makes me feel better because I'm one of them. But it makes me feel terrible because what are we doing? Losing that money. Uh, I don't want to waste that money. And I know you don't want to waste that money. If you struggle with these kinds of purchases, if you struggle with finances in general, Rocket Money will help you with the budgeting, help you track your expenses, help you, like I said, cancel those unwanted subscription. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps you lower your bills so you can get back to saving. I mean, me and my husband have been on the warpath and Rocket Money has been a really big part of that. It has over 5 million users with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. The average member has saved up to $740 a year using the app's features, which is, I mean, that tracks for me. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions. Go to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Save the money at rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Byte. 
before we get into our next topic, I just want to remind listeners that we are doing a succession recap pod. It drops every Monday. Me and resident wealth expert Danielle Derschlag are recapping episodes of HBO's Succession. It's super fun. We're also getting wonderful guests to join us. Luminaries from the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me world. Luminaries from the New York Times um, who, who can weigh in on so many interesting cultural issues brought up by Succession. Uh, and just in general, we're bringing some really fantastic people on the show. Upcoming this week is um, Farnoosh Tarabi, uh, who you might know from uh, CNBC and uh, and her podcast. And she's just a finance expert. And she knows a lot about billionaires. So she's going to weigh in on Succession and its billionaires. So tune in on Mondays. It is in your feed. Uh, easy to get. And if you aren't watching Succession, I mean, what are you doing? Watch Succession. It's so good. All right. And let's get into it with topic number two. So we all agree that social media sucks for us adults, even though we actively use it. We also agree and have as evidence that it sucks a fuck ton more for children. Uh, how many more studies do we need to show that kids suffer anxiety, negative self-perceptions, addiction, using social media um, is like setting off an endless stream of smelly farts on children's souls. <laughs> and some of our fair states of the union are finally putting their foots down. Uh, Utah is one of them. The Utah governor recently signed a bill that would require explicit parental permission for anyone under 18 to use TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. He also signed a bill prohibiting social media companies from employing techniques that could cause minors to develop an addiction to the platform. So at first blush, you know, where are you on the regulation of these platforms when it comes to minors? And, and I also want to point out that the most serious part of this bill in Utah is that it official it's officially the first state to prohibit social media services from allowing access to minors without parental consent. I don't know how they're going to implement that specifically, but it's that's pretty intense. V, you're on the mm -hmm. platforms pretty hard. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think of this? So I'm a person who truly believes in my soul of souls that children have constitutional rights. I mean, the right will say that the right to life begins at birth or begins at conception. And I will say your constitutional rights begin at birth. And you have the right to free speech and free expression. And while parents can impart regulations on you as part of the societal contract you have with your parents and the rules of their house, I don't agree with the government stepping in to do what a parent's job is, which is to train and regulate and, and um, you know, sort of monitor their children, their online activities, their access to things that would hurt them just the same as any other thing that they're preventing them from, from doing. And so I have a problem with this bill in the fact that it's, it's one of these things that we worry will creep. So now we're saying under 18. So the day you turn 18, you can get a TikTok and you can join the military and be drafted and like <laughs> sent overseas. Like that's that's a lot of responsibility for the same day. I also think it removes um, teenagers who are a huge part of the activist community and, and who have the right to regulate and mm -hmm. to protest for their own rights, like safe schools from the global conversation. It also removes kids who may not feel safe in their local community. I'm talking about like trans kids, queer kids, disabled kids, um, folks from families that uh, might not look like the other families in their general neighborhood or town. And so I think it's very dangerous as much as we want to create a fair playground digitally for everyone to participate in. I think it is a little bit dangerous to say that until the day you turn 18, um, your experience with uh, the world will be deeply censored by the government. Mike well, Kaplan. I'm glad that you brought me here. Counterpoint. 
no, I everything you said is uh, beautifully well put, nuanced, and I agree. And I'll just add this: that I mean, social media is a tool. And I read a study like some years ago about like do like children on like like young, young children, like two, three, four year olds on tablets, like or like is that damaging them? And the answer is it depends on what they're watching, how involved their parents are. Like mm-hmm. if they're watching, you know, Sesame Street or Blues Clues or playing interactive, you know, educational games like it is healthy. It is valuable. It is a good learning experience. If it's being used as a babysitter and there's no oversight and the kids are just scrolling mindlessly like adults do, like maybe the adults in their life, then it is damaging. It is harmful. It is causing the problems that uh, that you mentioned in the intro mm-hmm. to this segment, Nagin. And so it is, of course, it is a parent's job to help their child learn. Of course, it's unfortunate that, I mean, some parents are people whose parents didn't help them learn. And also, you know, the social media landscape is something that didn't exist in the way that it does now, you know, 20 years ago. And so it's very new and weird. And like, you know, it is kind of like like drugs or alcohol, like, you know, in Europe, you know, the the prohibition on alcohol that we have here for children, like doesn't exist in the same way. They're like, here's like a glass at dinner when you're 13. And it like demystifies it. And the kids don't have to have keggers hidden in speakeasies in their basement or whatever, and then go completely nuts because they're like, oh, yeah, it's just it's good for uh, a certain amount at a certain age. And it's it's good. I think it's better for kids not to be like drinking a ton. Like I'm glad that I didn't drink a ton because it it has an impact on the brain. And it's good when we can talk about these things like legitimately and that when there is empirical data mm-hmm. regarding substances and regarding social media, which is being gathered. So I don't know what the equivalent is like, you know, the the thoughtful parent who sits down with her child and is like, like, here's the all the data about social media and how damaging it can be when used irresponsibly like the same here's like a little glass of social media for dinner you can have with the adults like because of course i i think the main criticism that i resonated with in the art in the article and that you shared v is like of course there are you know for the marginalized children who need that connection they're being complete like that if the goal is to protect children's mental health, like then that is absolutely going to exacerbate, you know, uh, the problems in the exact opposite direction. I mean, who knows uh, what the actual, you know, secret reasons for, you know, like, there's always kinds of, you know, hidden agendas. But the actual facts are, you know, that social media isn't either good or bad. It is a tool that can be used valuably for activism, for mental health, for all kinds of things if it is. Uh, you know, sort of presented and modeled in the right way. Well, and I think if we look at Gen Z, like let's, we do have some evidence, right? Because we have Gen Z. Gen Z is the most educated, most activist driven generation. They grew up on the internet with social media. They also drink less. They're also less likely to do drugs or they have sex later in life. They get married later in life. They, they think more consequentially because they've been exposed to social emotional learning. They've been exposed to other communities. They're less racist, less sexist, less homophobic. There's a lot more to it because of the exposure they've had through social media. And back in my day, it was like TV and Teen Vogue were making me absolutely nuts, right? Like Teen Beat was making me hate my body. There's always been some negative force from the greater world coming at us. (laughs) We can't like discount all of the other metrics that tell us that there's more anxiety, there's more 
Um, uh, there's more loneliness, there's more depression. I mean, those things are also true. And I, I think I'm not, I mean, you know, I, I'm actually like totally torn on this, on, on Mm -hmm. Utah's, um, bill because my kid isn't the age yet where this is affecting me, but it's, you know, it's going to happen. And I don't know as a parent, every parent I know that deals with their kid and social media you know, talk about it being just a total fucking mind fuck. It mm-hmm. is, it's very difficult to monitor what's going on mm-hmm. as a parent. So that's part of the problem is like you can be a phenomenal parent sure. and then you cannot, and and your kid is just being like bullied online or they're, or they're putting all of their self-worth in how many likes they got on a particular post and you don't know or can't figure out that that's happening. Uh, and so what's that's that stuff, like? Boy. It, <laughs> I had I had a parent on who talked about some of the things that we need to do or address because d- does the does the despair of teenagers exist exclusively on social media or is it part of the broader like despair that we all feel with the sort of like state of America right now? And the argument was like, then we have to make time for things that make us more interesting, like hobbies, like reading a book, like setting. And I think that's on parents, right? You can set parameters. And it's um, on, but and it it's is on hard. schools. I think and also, schools. I think the, you know, the... I think back to my own life. I mean, we all probably grew up around the same time um, in the 80s and 90s where like my social life and my school life and my my after school programs, all that stuff was everything to me, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't, you know, my parents didn't actually, you know, they worked really hard. So like they weren't around as much. And Mm -hmm. uh, I really, really depended on school as an institution to provide for me a lot and Mm -hmm. it did and I was you know not lucky to have that it was just I was just an American public school that provided it as it should Mm -hmm. so I think the other thing is this bill one of the it's items of the bill that I thought was kind of reasonable was blocking users younger than 18 from accessing accounts between 10 30 p.m and 6 30 a.m because part of the problem with having the account is a growing addiction to being on it and scrolling. And if you block it at a certain time period, that seems, that that felt kind of like the most reasonable to me because I'm like, oh yeah, I don't want the kid in the room with their phone or their tablet, like endlessly, mindlessly scrolling if there's a mechanism. And, and there's so many parental controls on the devices. Like mm-hmm. there are mechanisms as a parent. I think you can design that. Um, but that seemed like something that kind of felt I don't know, reasonable to me. Uh, I don't I know think- if it's immigrant parents or what, but my mother used to just straight up take my shit away. She'd be like, that's it. You did one thing that pissed her off and she'd be like, that's it. The phone is mine now forever. And so I feel like, again, yeah, I, it, yeah. maybe it's like some of that, like it's on the parent, unfortunately, to kind of like say like, all right, everybody hand in your devices and we lock them in this box. I think no. people should just be born in 1978 like me. You don't even have a phone until you're 21. Right? And that's exactly the solution that none of us have talked about here today and Thank that Utah you. should be looking at is everyone yes. should have been built uh, born in 1978. Now, the, the let's shift gears quickly. Um, so if you're, you know, again, I, I mentioned you're a TikTok enthusiast. Mm-hmm. What do you make of the latest efforts to possibly ban TikTok? Oh, this um, was because delightful. of the fear of China. China. This was delicious. So the thing that I love about the TikTok community and about America at this point, going back to social media, is we've spent the last three years educating ourselves 
on politics, government, how to read a bill, how to make your voice heard, how to build community. So when the government came out with, we're going to ban TikTok and we're going to use the Restrict Act to do it. The Restrict Act, don't look at the rest of it. It's just a TikTok ban. People printed that out. They were highlighting that shit. And they were like, actually, this is an incredible government overreach bill that sort of feels like a Patriot Act 2.0. And so I think between the way that Congress showed their whole ass during that hearing where they were just asking ludicrous, insane questions that had nothing to do with the topic at hand, coupled with the public's education on how to read legislation, I do not think the Restrict Act um, has the boost that it once did and is becoming a little bit of like um, political pariah uh, now that folks are equating it with censorship and the Patriot Act and whatnot. So I love the way that Americans are so excited about civics and like the stuff that I like right now. And uh, I, I'm going to be very interested to see how it continues, that momentum continues to grow. Uh, one thing that I found really fascinating is that 5% of all apps secure the user's consent via terms and conditions to turn on devices and activate audio and video recording without the user's knowledge. Oh, yeah, it's a nightmare. And oh, it's a nightmare. Data privacy is a nightmare, but a TikTok ban isn't going to solve it. Yeah. Right. Like, So data privacy is a nightmare and a TikTok ban might not solve it. And all of the apps you're using right now, 5% of them are likely turning your shit on without you knowing. So the there's time. that. Yeah. Uh, Mike, are, is, are you like, I'm throwing away my phone or where are uh, you? Great question. I, well, <laughs> a, as I feel like other comedians have made this point that as a comedian, as a public person, like I am, uh, we are perhaps more uniquely immune to, you know, not that I don't have things that are private, but I have way more things that aren't that, private. Yeah, that yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally. I'm, yeah. I'm telling you these things anyway. I, I mean, I do think that there is concern, and that, but it's such an interesting thing, like the themes here of, you know, uh, of like individuality versus what's good for the collective or mm. like, you know, privacy versus like the public good. And I do think that more more things, you know, not everything being out in the open, I think people have a right to, you know, w what they do in their home, in their mm -hmm. life. And I don't want their I don't want people's phones to be non consensually, you know, uh, telling thing telling on them. But. I feel like in the article that you shared, there's like two specific parts that really jumped out to me as like alarmist and kind of absurd. Uh, there, here's just a line from the article. It said, if the app's users can be convinced that TikTok collects meaningful data, perhaps not just users browsing history, but also texts and emails, voice recordings of conversations, or even every keystroke for every password for every bank account, they might change their view. Yeah. Is that is that what's ha is that what TikTok is doing? It's not collecting your bank account password information or we wouldn't have any money. And then the I mean I don't, I'm not an expert at all, but that seems like I feel like the author of this also isn't. And <laughs> then there's it's quoting Crent uh, Dan Crenshaw, is it? And he's saying with data there's power. Uh, this is China's goal, the demise of America, starting with our youth. And I think that's just, you know, vast projection of like, you know, when whenever uh, a Republican or whenever anyone, whenever a human is like, here's what they're doing. Here's what someone else is doing. Like, you don't know what someone else is doing or thinking or how they're being. You know what you are doing. You know mm -hmm. what you are thinking. You know what you want. And it's like so I mean. Also, I don't know what's inside him, but I do know what he's saying on the outside. Like, I don't think that China, quote unquote, a monolith made of a billion plus people wants to destroy America, uh, an entity that 
I mean, in some ways doesn't exist. And in other ways, our, you know, identities are like inextricably economically linked. And if America completely demised, then uh, what so would happen? So would China. Then, yeah, or China would Where would win. they buy their pork from? <laughs> Who would they sell their gadgets to? It, it, it is it is silly. And when we think about it, like there were 10 major bank breaches of data privacy last year, just last year, where your passwords and your information were out. There, There's just so much... Ar- what we need is data privacy laws, certainly, and I'd love to see them work on that more exclusively. We need and to ban again, banks. Ban banks. Ban banks. And we just need more uh, mattresses with more money chambers. And that's <laughs> yes. what we need. All right, folks, let me know. Are you? Are, did any of this make you want to quit or keep TikTok? I don't know. Hit me up. Let us move on to topic number three. Now let's talk about some really random incidents in culture. We've all heard of and been subjected to the phenomenon of mansplaining, wherein dudes overexplain something that everyone already knows. Well, a new study suggests that old ladies think they're smarter than they actually are, ushering in gramsplaining. Um, have you, uh, V, have you heard of gramsplaining? Have you been subjected to gramsplaining? I, I have, in fact. And I, again, I don't know if it's like the Albanian me or whatever, but I'm like, yes, obviously she's correct. And I need to listen to this. You know what I mean? So I think it depends on who the gram is that's explaining yes, yes, something. Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, I'm again, I'm glad that women feel like they can raise their voice and be heard whether they're right or wrong. I think it's like a step towards the right uh, direction, but certainly um, sometimes not. Sometimes oh, just silliness. It's silly. Yeah, Mike, this may have happened happened to you in the past, but I was in Miami um, a few weeks ago, and uh, I was in the hotel lobby, and this, and I was waiting for something with the concierge or whatever. And the woman, this woman, walks up to me, and I don't know, she's probably like in her seventies, and um, and she just starts striking up a conversation. What do you do? Blah blah blah. I'm a comedian, and she said, "Oh, and where you you live in New York? Oh, you know who you should you know who you should be in front of." <laughs> You should be in front of Lauren Michaels. Yeah. He's uh you know, he's a very powerful man. And yeah. if he likes you, he could do wonderful things for your career. You know, and I was like, Oh, thank you. Never heard of him. Wow, yes. this is such new and exhilarating information. Let me let me write that down. Let me take some notes. Um and I, you know, and I re- realized at that moment that like I have had that particular conversation with many specifically old ladies who are like telling me like, oh, like this new information about the comedy world, you know? Um, Mike, have you been Gramsplained? I'm I'm so happy that you asked. Number one, I am also like the thrilled that you know not just men are finding themselves you know <laughs> with a voice that maybe they shouldn't uh like very egalitarian i will say that i think i have experienced literal gramsplaining uh in in that my own grandmother here is here's a story from a couple years back when david letterman uh left the late show or late night late late whichever one it was his show the uh the late show with david letterman let's say that's it and uh he's like I'm retiring. And then a week later, uh, Stephen Colbert was announced as his successor in the news. And we're like, oh, great. We love Stephen Colbert. And then a week later, my grandmother writes me a message and says, I hear Letterman's leaving. You should get his job. (laughs) But that's because she loves you. See, I see it as like a vote of confidence when older women want to like tell me I should be something. I'm like, you know what, lady? Thank you. That's delightful. (laughs) 
you're right. I mean, I, my grandmother love. I love that in this particular situation, my grandmother like believes in herself and in me, and sort yes. of like sees me as her and her as me. She would do things like go on Comedy Central's website and just type uh, comments on various pages, like more Mike Kaplan, please. You know, so uh, I'm <laughs> I on love board. that. She's a hype woman. See, that's yes. good. I, uh, but I also love that she didn't refresh her news from like the previous week. It's oh, like yes. she opened the New York Times. Like a week ago and then turned off the internet. And well, then that's what she keeps reading. It must be the equivalent of, you know, the way that uh, Juneteenth happened because the word that the, the Civil War had ended, like, took a while to get places mm-hmm. uh, via horseback and such. And, you know, today, obviously, at the click of a button, you know, the news happens and we can find out. But somewhere, my grandmother exists somewhere in between the Civil War and now. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah. By the way, uh, so there's this was an actual study where they they found that um, they compared 159 young people and 152 old people. And that's how they they found that, yes, young men unsurprisingly overestimated their IQ and EQ scores. And then the same held true of old women uh, or women in their 70s. Um, they had the same kind of overestimation. And they tried to explain this. Researchers thought that maybe it was it was rooted in self-confidence. Uh, v, you sort of alluded to this, mm-hmm. uh, that part of as men get older, maintaining a level of bravado might become exhausting. Which I thought was fun Whereas women simply grow tired Of being modest as they age And they're like fuck it I actually do know stuff So it is the um, There's inverse things happening Which I think is really fun Yeah and Julia Louis-Dreyfus Is monetizing this gram-splaining She's got a new podcast coming out That like she's talking to women in their 70s and 80s Like she's She's early to the trend and is just mm. like getting this gram splaining. She made it a whole podcast. Oh my! Oh, I didn't know that. That sounds yeah that wiser sounds than me. It's adorable. Also, uh, oh, that's so great. Yeah. Also, uh, men die sooner, so maybe they're just they're <laughs> leaving, you know, leaving this world, and the older women are like, yeah, I guess Still I can around. talk now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's um, look at another uh, little um, cultural moment. It turns out that Gen Z is getting their driver's licenses at lower rates than previous generations. They're just not in, that into driving. In fact, in 1997, 43 percent of 16 year olds and 62% of 17-year-olds had their driver's license, right? But in 2020, only 25% of 16-year-olds and 45% of 17-year-olds had their license. So that's a pretty significant drop. What do you think is happening here, Mike Kaplan? Uh, thank you for asking. Well, uh, here are thoughts that I have that don't come from the article you mentioned at all. Uh, but I mean, I, it does seem like there are lots of factors involved, like uh, the amount of money that people have and the amount of cost of a car and gas and insurance uh, that I believe has been rising. There's also rising concern uh, for the environment. And while, of course, there are, you know, more electric cars and hybrids, there's still lots of uh, giant gas uh, guzzling exuding machines that younger people I think are more likely to be like I think if I don't go anywhere if I just stay in my house then that's better you know I if I don't take any footprints towards the car then my carbon footprint uh, my carbon footprint itself will be uh, lighter and lesser and I think 
that's reasonable. Like, I mean, I don't know what's going on in their minds exactly if it's, you know, if it's fear based and from a place of lack, if they really would like I loved getting my car. You know, I got a permit when I was 16 in uh, the New Jersey suburb that I grew up in and I got my license when I was 17. And it did represent, uh, you know, a kind of, you know, an independence from my home. Like I could Mm -hmm. drive places. I could go places. I could Mm -hmm. meet people. I could have, you know, my own life outside my home. Which I I do understand also, you know, I sort of like alluded to earlier the idea of like, you know, the American individualism compared Mm. to, you know, the more perhaps like Eastern uh, ideal of like the family unit, the collective, which are, you know, not it's not that one is right and one is wrong, but uh, maybe younger people are thinking more about the collective good and the the health of the planet. And maybe they're also maybe they just don't want to. I'm going to introduce um, a new theory because my niece is getting her license right now. She just turned 16. And um, part of the issue is uh, this is my brother-in-law's daughter from his first marriage. And some of the some of the issues that have she has faced in trying to get this license was, one, getting into driving school. So expensive. It was like outrageous expensive. They, they pulled it together. They paid for driving school. But then, two, both of her parents work and like the schedule to like – like I remember my dad coming home from work and he would like take me go parallel yeah, parking and yeah. drive around for hours. They don't have that kind of time, the parents, the way that they used right. to, to like do all those extra hours. And then the day came for the driving test and like the tints on my sister's car were too dark. So they like disqualified her from being able to take the test. Oh, it was very traumatic. God. We're like trying to find a car. I think it's it's an issue of money, certainly. It's an issue of time and dedication. And when we asked her, she wasn't really that bummed out that she failed the test the first time. Um, just putting all her business on blast on your show. But she, <laughs> sh- she was, we were like, do you want to take the test again real quick? And she's like, I'm actually okay. Driving is like super scary. I don't know that I'm like exactly ready for the volume of cars on the road, the speed at which they travel, the just time and intensity that it takes to like drive and be physically present while like all these other factors are in your life. And I was like, you know what? That makes sense, Maddie. Like, why don't you just take your time getting your license and, and see what happens then? I mean, sounds like she could use a gram-splainer to let she her could. know that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but I think it's it's a little bit coming from two sides. Maybe it's a little initiative from, from the younger folks or it has to do with environmental. And also it has to do with parental exhaustion. Just finding the time to get in the car with them is hard. Absolutely. And, you know, here's here's one thing that I I mean, first of all, listeners know this. I live in Manhattan. I don't have a car. I don't like cars. Uh, Mm. That's my position. I'm sticking to it. And me and Gen Z have a lot of common. Me and your your um, niece have a lot in common because I also think that it's scary. The whole it's just it's scary. There's a death situation that could happen. I'm not into Mm. that in general. Uh, We're learning a lot about me today never liked (laughs) trump and i don't like unnecessary dying those are two things i don't like um and so so, surprising shocking (laughs) but there's another there's another thing that i that that i i I really thought was interesting um from one of the pieces said that there are roughly 66 million members of gen z in the united states if each one of them drove just 10 percent less than the national average that's driving 972 miles less every year, that would save 25.6 million metric tons of carbon dioxide from going into the atmosphere, Mm -hmm. which is the equivalent annual emissions of six coal-fired power plants. So Mm. 
I I also like the idea of I'm into all of these people like not wanting to do it. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's really because, it's, let's get those numbers down. Why not? Why it's, not? It's lucky Gen Z's not driving since Biden signed the Willow Project. It's like a trade off. You know, it's one mm-hmm. for one when it comes to right. destroying the environment. Um, okay, well, folks, uh, let me know. What is your position on driving? Have you soured to it? Or do you think it's still a, a great sign of independence? I'm so curious to hear. All right. That is the end of the show. Wee. I knew that this would be a remarkable p- panel. And I was right. Uh, <laughs> it is so fantastic to to be able to have these uh, wonderful conversations with the both of you. And I want for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to find all of the wonderful things that you do. V Spear, where do they do that? So you can find the V Interesting Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Under the Desk News. Absolutely do that because it's so there's just so much there and it's so fun and it's so informative. Uh, highly recommend. Mike Kaplan, where do they find you? Thank you for asking, V. That was so concise, and I'm sorry that I'll be less than that. But uh, <laughs> Mike Kaplan is my name, spelled M Y Q K A P L A N. If you put that in wherever you want, you know, at Mike Kaplan on social media, my website, and various other places. I have a bunch of albums out. The newest released one is called Live in Between Albums. It's all the places you can download or stream albums. So listen to that and all my other albums. I have a podcast called Broccoli and Ice Cream that Nagin has been a guest on perhaps v will be a guest in the future i would love it and i have another podcast called the faucet and i will be going to the edinburgh fringe fest this year uh 2023 perhaps other years as well but if you're in edinburgh i'll hope to see you there while i do that show and i have a mailing list uh, a newsletter on substack where i send out for free every week a few jokes and some thoughts and uh you can subscribe for free or more i'll send more if you subscribe for more i, I only want to send people what they want and <laughs> Uh, I just want you to want as much as you want. And that's at MikeKaplan.substack.com. Uh, thank you so much, Nikki. Uh, well, it was wonderful having you on a show. You folks know where to find me and all the things that I do. I'm performing a lot in New York City these days. So uh, check out the social media feeds to see where that might be. As we all know, I have not updated my website in a minute. And uh-huh. I really should. I really, really should. Okay. Um, and uh, what else should I mention? Oh, I would love to thank uh, everyone that makes the show a possibility. That is our wonderful producer, Andrew McGuire, our fantastic um, theme music was written by Gabby Alter and thanks to everyone at HeadGum for making the show a possibility if you have any ideas for segments or panelists or anything at all you can reach us at fakethenationpodcast at gmail.com again that's fakethenationpodcast at gmail.com and don't forget to post your review on Apple Podcasts because that helps people find the show we've been getting such tremendous reviews and I will um, read some of them next week uh, to get your juices flowing uh, but Uh, Don't forget to post reviews at Apple Podcasts. And otherwise, we will be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.